Hey everyone, I'm Ryan Kalamea. And I'm Amy Gosha. Welcome to The Divorce at Altitude, a podcast on Colorado family law. Divorce is not easy. It really sucks. Trust me, I know. Besides being an experienced divorce attorney, I'm also a divorce client. Whether you are someone considering divorce or a fellow family law attorney, listen in for weekly tips and insight into topics related to divorce, co-parenting, and separation in Colorado. Welcome back to another episode of Doris at Altitude. This is Ryan Calamea. This week, we're going to talk about values and mission, as well as business owners going through divorce. And I am joined by divorce lawyer and business lawyer in Rochester, New York, Peter Glennon. Peter, welcome to the show. Ryan, thanks for having me. I appreciate this opportunity to chat with you about these topics and issues. Yeah, your firm really focuses on helping business owners in business disputes, employment disputes, as well as matrimonial cases, divorces. So can you give listeners a little bit an idea of your background, You know how you got into law and other issues that might be helpful for them to understand the conversation? Sure. So I started off in the legal profession clerking for an appellate court judge, and then I went to a large firm doing complex business litigation and employment law before I started off on my own uh, about almost 10 years ago. Just started solo. In the last 10 years, we've grown to 15 of us, including 19 attorney, excuse me, nine attorneys. And what we've been doing, Ryan, is focusing on a particular type of client. So we represent licensed professionals like doctors, dentists, financial security people, C-suite executives, and business owners, small business owners, with their four most common problems We're litigation only, so we do their business litigation, which includes fighting with business partners or fighting with other businesses with breach of contracts. We do their employment matters with their employment laws and non-compete agreements and stock equity type of agreements. And then we do their trust and state disputes because usually on the private side, their families are fighting about businesses and similarly with their matrimonial divorce. A lot of our clients have businesses or other assets and some of those businesses are with their spouse and some of them are without their spouse. So when it comes to the matrimonial divorces, that's where we're involved litigating those complex financial matters. But across the board, I think the common theme through it all is relationships. Whether you're a business partner, whether you're business to business person, whether it's with your employees or your employer, or whether it's with your spouse or family members, when people are arguing about businesses and assets, whether for equitable distribution or otherwise, the same principles and same issues and concerns tend to arise. Yeah. And you guys have really focused on the intersection of trust, business disputes, commercial disputes, matrimonial, and employment, and like how those intersect for business owners. My firm is similar in that we really kind of go to the emotional, personal disputes with injuries, criminal defense, and family loss. And we thought that it would be interesting to have a show where we talk about the intersection of some of the values and really to focus people because, you know, the mission, a lot of times people come to us and I ask them, you know, how do you want your divorce to be? And it really kind of gets to that issue. So, Peter, how do you think about the importance of understanding business values and mission in a divorce? 
So because it's a relationship, right, we all know that businesses, companies, they tend to have their mission statement and they have their values. And some of them, yeah, they just seem like they're posters on the wall. But other businesses, other companies, they truly believe their values. They wear their values on their sleeve. They, they live, breathe, and act that way. And those companies tend to be like what I would generally refer to as good people. When we have our values, whatever set or, or from whatever background they come from, but when we all agree on those shared values, that's usually when you have these great relationships, right? So that's where you see a lot of spouses start dating and then getting married because they have common core values and maybe family values. It may be shared view or vision of the future and how they're going to interact, support each other and raise a family. And similarly with businesses, especially when you have business partners involved, there's usually that shared vision based on those bedrock values. And what happens that I see in these partnership disputes and or these marital spousal disputes is when somebody doesn't meet those expectations, that's when there's frustration. When those expectations of values are violated, that's usually where the friction starts. And when it continues, that's usually what leads somebody down the path to a divorce. And Peter, can you explain your own firm's values and how that can relate to how you approach a business dispute or a divorce and why that might be important for people to understand? Sure. And, you know, many people share these same values, right? I mean, I know that you and I have known each other a while and we share these values. Sometimes different businesses, different firms articulate them differently. But whether it's a business dispute or employment or a divorce, our values are publicly stated. I mean, it's always integrity first, right? So we have to be honest. We have to do the right thing, even if nobody's looking. With our team, I always want to ensure that we're prepared. That's our second value. So we don't want to learn something just when that issue arises. We want to always constantly be learning so that we're ready if somebody comes in the door and has that concern. Another value that we hold close is taking action. Because when somebody's going through a divorce, there's so much, as you know, emotional concerns involved. The assets, because we all have clocks, right? A marital property, separate property, depending on which state you're in. You may need to take some action right away to protect the business or to protect an asset or to protect that individual. So that's one of our core values. Certainly communication. We have communicate as one of our values. And that's for certainly with clients because they need to understand every issue every question, every step along the way. I mean, divorce, not many people like to do it multiple times. And if they do, they like to have right 15, 20 years maybe in between. So it's kind of a black box. So you have to be able to communicate with your clients and share that information. And similarly, you do need to be able to communicate with the court and with opposing counsel. That's something else that we, we preach is we're not going to take on white knight syndrome and just go, fight as the white knight trying to protect our client. We all have to be able to work together to get through this process. And certainly caring is one of our values. We care about our clients. We care about their concerns and issues. And we certainly care about the community. And finally, our sixth issue, which is probably right up there with integrity, is just service, service, service. We know that when somebody comes in for a divorce or any type of legal dispute, they've got a lot on their mind. And they've got life going on too. 
So the last thing they need is to be caught flat-footed or short notice on some matter that applies to their divorce, whether it's a document or preparing discovery or deposition. So we always want to make sure that we're far ahead in bringing that client around with excellent customer service. Those are our six core values in our firm. And we find that when everybody on our team executes with those, the clients tend to be happier. The clients tend to understand more. And we tend to be able to resolve their dispute in a more time and cost efficient manner. I love that so much, Peter. And I know, you know, we're connected on LinkedIn and you, I saw, shared that your firm has a guarantee. And I'm wondering if you could, for listeners that haven't seen that on social media, what is your firm's guarantee in kind of a nutshell? And I think it's so helpful for listeners to hear because not many law firms have a guarantee or not many law firms have thought about way to do business or to structure their own firm in a way that you have. And I think it's just really refreshing, Peter. So can you tell us a little bit about your firm's guarantee? Sure. And thanks, Ryan. It it is, I've been told by other folks too, that it is refreshing and new to see a promise of guarantee because of course, most attorneys, we can't make guarantees about outcomes, but we put it prominently on our website that we only make one promise and guarantee. And That's because we can never promise or guarantee the results of the legal matter, but we can make a guarantee about what they get with our team and our firm. And with us, we guarantee that they get more than a lawyer. They get more than somebody who's just smart, thinking about their case, being strategic. They get trusted advisors, people who understand the client, the client's specific goals, their situation, and that we can help them devise a plan to achieve their personal goals whether it's an easy decision or a tough decision, and we'll be able to help them efficiently and effectively. And it really boils down to this. They will know every issue, every option, whether we think it's helpful for them or not along the way. And we make that promise that on this journey through divorce or any other dispute, we're right there with them. They're never going to be alone and they're never going to be in the dark. This episode is brought to you by our law firm, Kalamea Gosha. Amy and I describe our law firm as an innovative and ambitious trial team that pushes the boundaries to discover new frontiers in family law, personal injuries, and criminal defense in Colorado. We currently have offices in Aspen, Glenwood Springs, Edwards, Denver, and Boulder. If you want to find out more, visit our website, kalamea.law. Now, back to the show. You know, I think for my firm, even though we have three core values, I tried to simplify it. I examined other businesses and made a decision to really focus on three core values. And ours is innovation, client service, and excellence. And we are a good fit for our ideal client. And our ideal client, as you know, it's no surprise for listeners of this podcast, is Eric and Melanie Wolf. And we've created our avatar and written a story about Eric Wolf and Melanie Wolf. And when someone calls our firm, we have an Eric Wolf for personal injury, we have a Melanie Wolf for criminal defense, and we have a mission rating. So every prospective client that calls my firm, we rate them and it's on a scale of one to 10. It's not 
pretend that they're a better looking client or that they have more money or that they're smarter. It's just how do they match up? And I think it's one of those things that you would agree, Peter, that my firm and your firm is not the best fit for everyone. But for those, we know who we can help and we really focus in taking it back to someone in a divorce they're not, Eric is not going to get every single thing in his divorce, but the values that he brings to the table and how he conducts his divorce and the priorities that he thinks about that he is likely going to hit his priorities if he communicates that to his attorney in terms of it could be the children, it could be his business, it could be the house. We really need to understand as lawyers what are the priorities? What are the values? We also need to hold him accountable for the behavior and emotions because, you know, he could be a business owner and often business owners, when it involves their personal lives, they act emotionally, irrationally, and really kind of helping them through that process, which brings us to the challenges in separating business and personal relationships. So can you, you know, Peter, talk to me a little bit about how you think about, you know, the challenges in separating business and personal relationships. You know, you've already touched on it a little bit. Sure. You know, it's interesting uh, with all my years of doing business litigation and when I was focused on that exclusively, it was so interesting to hear people say, you know, I could never do family law. I could never do divorce because there's so much emotion in that. And I would chuckle at that time because here I was doing very large business litigation matters. And there was so much emotion. It was all personal. It was all reputation. And I would joke that even in these large companies, the average length of time for a business litigation was about four years. And that seemed to coincide with the average tenure of that business executive. And once the new person came in, they'd say, clean this up. Why? Because it's what we were talking about earlier. It's all about relationships. Whether it's business or divorce, these are relationships where the expectations were no longer met, uh, the values may have been violated or just not followed. So needing to keep the business aspect from the emotional, personal, matrimonial side, it's very challenging because you do have emotions on both sides. Mm -hmm. And what I find as well is, especially when you have a young couple, well, excuse me, when they marry when they're a young couple without much and one or both builds the business, a business for a small owner is still like another child. So now when you're going through this divorce, you have the personal emotional concerns of the family separating. But now you have this question about the, the business. So those are very challenging waters to navigate and they are different for every person. Every person has a different view. I know so many people who always will say, you know, I know I'm getting divorced. I know I don't want to live with my spouse anymore, but I still have a tremendous amount of respect for him or her for what they did with the business or what they did for the family while I was doing the business. And we all know that those are certain elements that play into the valuation of the business, the distribution of the shares of the business. So to your point, honesty, integrity, understanding the client's goal and then holding them to that. I always like to say to clients, look, you're the boss and you can change your mind, but I'm going to remind you of how you felt when you first came in, what you said to me before, because I'm the detached one. I'm not emotionally involved. And I'm sure you say something similar to your divorce clients too. 
when you're hired, listen, you're going to be frustrated with your spouse, with the spouse's attorney, with the judge, and you'll be frustrated with me at times. But just remember, I'm detached, unemotional about it, and I'm looking out for your best interests. So, and that just goes back to, as you say, you have these avatars, and I think that's brilliant. I don't know if everybody appreciates this. My firm's not built for that family that wants to fight about child custody or if they need protective orders. We're just not built that way. We refer people out for those types of matters. Yes, we can handle child custody disputes as an element of it, but we put it right on our website too, under FAQs. You know, are you the right attorney for us? Well, if these are your main issues, no, but call us and we'll give you a referral. If your main issues are how do we work through this with a business or an asset or the relationship, sure, come to us. And that's how we're built. That makes it more efficient for our target type of client. We understand them. We understand their business and we're, and we're built for it. And we can better assist them going through those emotional challenges that you talk about. Peter, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but often Eric Wolf, the business owner, he'll outline his priorities and then you'll meet them and then you'll say, well, I want more. Because business owners tend to be highly dopaminergic. They just want more. It's what led to them being successful. They're ambitious human beings. And then they will just want more and more. And there's a certain point when you have to say, listen, is this really about the forks and the knives? Is this really about that fox sculpture that you bought a year ago? Or is this something more that you're just trying to win? And, you know, I tell people, you don't pay me for entertainment, you pay me to win. And, you know, people like hearing that the reality is that the winning in divorce is when people have a successful business two years down the road and they can still speak with their spouse. And a lot of times I think people, they don't appreciate business owners. They get stuck in their emotions and that's fine. Everyone has emotions, but you have to remind them about their time. It's not just about the fees or the money that they're paying. It's also their time, their stress, and their reputation. I mean, certainly some business owners can just drill down and they don't realize what reputation they're creating out in the community and how they treat their significant other. I think you're spot on, Ryan. You're exactly right. I always try to remind people, define winning. Winning isn't getting more from your soon-to-be ex-spouse. Winning is about you positioning yourself to attain your goals because life will go on. This business may need to support maintenance or alimony payments. It may need to support the child payments. You may need to generate revenue to pay out your equitable distribution. So the real question is, what do you need and how do we accomplish that? And in those situations, I turn around to clients and I say, why do you care so much? Do you want to stay married? Oh, no, 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 I don't. Then look forward. Stop looking backward. It's not about how much you can take. And to your point, this divorce is a distraction from your focus on your business or a distraction from moving on with your life. And that's part of the cost benefit, right? Right. And you know, we're getting into those are methods that you can protect the business. Are there other things, Peter, that you see where you advise business owners? How can Eric Wolf, if he's a business owner, what are the things that he can do to protect the business during a divorce or things that he should keep in, in mind that we haven't already covered? There's many tips and tricks there. And one that just comes to my mind, I just wrote a blog post about this because it was a recent case that affected a New York business that was 
formed in, in Delaware, but it's we talk about there's premarital agreements, prenuptial agreements, postnuptial, antenuptial, whatever you want to call it. It's an agreement between the parties before or after they're married in which they agree if they are to divorce how they will handle these assets. And that's something we could talk more about because it's a great document as long as it's valid and as long as it's done by a quality attorney. But there's some other sides to that. And that was the point of the blog post. Not to jump ahead, but if you have an LLC, which tends to be a favorite business entity type, there's also in the operational documents, the governing documents for an LLC, you can make comments in there too about what can or cannot happen upon your divorce. And the blog post I made recently was the LLC operating agreement actually trumped the prenuptial agreement. So when you're talking about the intersections of business and and marriage, you really need to talk to a competent, qualified matrimonial attorney and business attorney to understand how these puzzle pieces fit together. Yeah, in Colorado, the, a lot of doctors or lawyers, professionals, you know, your ideal client, and they certainly fall within, you know, we represent a lot of professionals and Eric Wolf has that professional background, but the operating agreement or the partnership agreement, they'll say my business is worthless because I'm going through a divorce and I get nothing. You know, those are informative, but it is helpful to have those agreements because they can protect your business. And ultimately, Melanie Wolf, she should want, I'm going to advise Melanie if I'm representing her, you should want Eric to do well and protect his business. He should get the business because then it's going to be like what you said, pay for maintenance or child support. It's going to be, you know, a marital asset. But other issues that I can think of is really be cognizant of the privacy concerns, you know, having a protective order or confidentiality agreement, where if there are business partners, their information is held confidentially. And so that Melanie's not out, you know, talking about the proprietary information because Melanie's during the divorce, she's going to learn a lot of information. Also figuring out is it business where a joint valuation expert is going to be helpful as opposed to a retained expert that's going to be less expensive and less contentious if both people have buy-in. But there are different things that I think lawyers who are set up like you are and like I am to address businesses. I see businesses, closely held private businesses, they come up so frequently in divorces. There's a reason that Eric Wolf in, in our story has a business and it's because that's what we typically deal with like you. And you know, I think people really need to focus on finding an attorney that's a good fit for them in that regard. Let's talk about, you talked about moving forward. Peter, what are things that come up in your mind about rebuilding and moving forward post-divorce for those business owners in a divorce? Right. Well, you mentioned it before, Ryan, is reputation, right? We don't want the brand to be tarnished at all. Even if you're a small business in your community, you don't have to be the largest business out there. But nobody wants or needs to hear about your personal private divorce that becomes the war of the roses. So you definitely want to protect that reputation of the business. You want to ensure that you can focus on that business. And we've said it a couple of times, that business is an asset that can keep supporting financially the family members and any other legal obligations. One piece I'll, I'll mention as an aside in, in listening to your prior comments about confidentiality, many times 
you have the potential for the soon-to-be ex-spouse to go compete against you. They know the business. Maybe they were there and indoor helped you set it up. So whenever we're talking about equitable distribution, whenever somebody is trying to get a little bit more here or there, sometimes that question arises about protecting that business post-divorce. Maybe there's a, a value with a non-compete agreement. Maybe there's some other non-disclosure agreement that can go into it. But once you get through that divorce, you want to make sure that you can stay focused on your business and still make sure that you have time for your children if you have them with your visitation or parenting plan. And you want to work that into your business because you don't want to be distracted from that business. And you do want to maintain those other positive relationships around it because you will have goals, whatever they may be. Maybe it's to travel more. Maybe it's to scale the business. Maybe it's to change the direction of the business. But the best thing, and I think my last comment on this is I always remind people with a divorce, if you have children, you're never fully separated. But when you do have a business entity involved, it can be, under certain circumstances, the best idea to make sure there's a clear, clean break from that so that there's no longer a discussion or picking on each other about the direction of the management. I'm glad you mentioned the non-competes. I've done that. I had spouses that were going to compete with one another. I'm really glad you mentioned that. The other thing is that you know, divorce is this introspective examining period in one's life and you go through financials. I think it's an opportunity for a business owner to revisit their mission statement, revisit their vision, revisit their financial picture after going through evaluation if, if that occurs and really look at opportunities. How can I improve my business after learning? And if they just get stuck in the anger and the, this is so unfair, you're missing the point and you're missing an opportunity to grow. It, it, you can you know, really have a different perspective. But Peter, thank you so much. I'm really glad that you were able to join us. And, and I'm hopeful that that is helpful for those you know, understanding that when worlds collide and we're navigating the intersection of business values and mission statement with a divorce that they have some really concrete things. And we'll have links to your bio in the show notes. But thanks again for taking the time to join us. No, thank you very much, Ryan. I've enjoyed this discussion. And you're right. If people just stick with their values, respect others in any relationship that's ending and look forward, I think they're going to do very well. So thanks again, Ryan. Great. Hey, everyone. This is Ryan again. Thank you for joining us on Divorce at Altitude. If you found our tips, insight, or discussion helpful, please tell a friend about this podcast. For show notes, additional resources, or links mentioned on today's episode, visit divorceataltitude.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen in. Many of our episodes are also posted on YouTube. You can also find Amy and me at Kalamea.law or 970-315-2365. That's K-A-L-A-M-A-Y-A dot law.